could all stand and honor the word of God. Yes, it was around the Thanksgiving week that God laid this message upon my heart and it's been burning. It's one of those messages that you just keep writing something down and you keep feeling God nudge your heart about. But I want to speak from my heart tonight and I hope that you will receive the word of God. Though there are few, the Bible says, where two or three are come together. Amen. I'm believing that if you'll receive it tonight, God's got a word. If you'll turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17, very familiar story. Our kids could probably tell you this story better than some of the adults can. 1 Samuel chapter 17, if you'll bear with me, we're going to read through it pretty quickly. Bible says, and David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? And taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor. He essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off of him. Tonight, for just a little while, I want to talk to you on the subject, Why Not Us? Why Not Us? You may be seated. It was an 86-year journey 
for those known as the Boston Red Sox. Generation after generation watched and hoped and prayed for victory. And generation after generation turned away frustrated and disappointed. Anybody ever been there before? In 1946, they lost the World Series in Game 7. In 48, lost one game playoff to Cleveland. 49, a heartbreak to the Yankees. 67, again lost the series in 7. 75, again lost the series in 7. Bucky in 78, Buckner in 86, and Boone in 2003. Yet every spring, the fans flocked back, hopeful again. The losing, the angst, the self-destruction became so routine that it even developed marketing names. The suffering was called the curse of the Bambino. The sufferers were called Red Sox Nation, the ultimate underdogs. Would it ever end? And then it did. In 2004, the Boston Red Sox were down to their worst enemy, the New York Yankees. In the best of seven series, the New York Yankees had won three, and the Boston Red Sox had won zero. The odds were against them. The Yankees only needed one win of the next four games. They were up in four games four, and down by one the Red Sox were, and they only needed three more outs for the Yankees to be victorious once more. But the Red Sox answered with a game-tying run to send the game to extra innings, which they ended up winning. Game five, Red Sox win. And then when they left that night, arose a question throughout the city. A question that had not been asked in 86 years, because after all, we've got the curse. But the question arose all throughout the city, why not us? Why not us? People in Boston knew they hadn't done anything in 86 years, but they couldn't help but ask, why not us? Someone has got to win game six, and someone has got to win game seven. Why not us? Someone's got to go to the World Series. Why not us? No one has ever came down from three games to none. Why not us? And on that, they won their next six games and came home winners of the World Series. So tonight I ask you, why not us? Second Kings 2 and 9 says, When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. And he says, well, I'm telling you right now, what you've asked for is a difficult thing. The question that you have asked, what you're asking of me, it's, it's not just this thing I can just give to you. It's something that's going to be difficult and you might have to earn it. But still their question arose, what can I do for you? What would you like? And he, in the back of his mind, was probably thinking... I know what I'm asking for is crazy. I know what I'm seeking for may seem absurd. But I've got to ask. I want a double portion. I want to be your successor. 
He said, if you see me when I'm taken up from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. Seems pretty simple, right? But the Bible said that Elisha asked for a difficult thing. This double portion was not an easy thing to ask for. He said, I like what you have and I appreciate what you have. And maybe it might seem a little bit selfish of me, but I, I desire more than what you have. I desire what my elders before me had, but there's still something inside of me. The word says that the latter would be greater than the former. So when he saw that and he said, I desire a double portion, I desire something just a little bit more. And he said, I, I know what I'm asking for seems crazy, but I'm just hungry. There's a desire burning within me. I, I, I know it's crazy, but it, it burns when I lay down at night. It keeps me up through the night. I can't hardly sleep because I'm desiring something better. I'm desiring something great. But if someone is going to be your successor, why not me? If somebody's going to receive your mantle, why can it not be me? Why can't I receive what you have? I know it's a long shot and I know what I'm asking for is difficult. But if somebody's going to receive it, why not me? If someone's going to get a double portion, why can't I have that double portion? And because of that determination, Elisha received his mantle and the second portion that he asked for. Though it was a difficult thing to ask for, it happened because he was desperate. The Bible speaks of four leprous men in 2 Kings. It says, Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die, they asked. They asked each other, We... We will starve if we stay here, but with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the army. And army. If they let us live so much, the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Armenians. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Armenian army to hear the clatter, not to see it, not to experience, but God caused a noise in that place. And it says he caused a noise of clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. When the lepers arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another and another and another, eating and drinking all that they wanted. They carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. They had their arms full. They were sitting there debating on what to do. They said, I, well, we could sit here and die, or we can go there and die, or we can take a risk and turn ourselves over to somebody. But if somebody's going to receive something tonight, it might as well be one of us. We can sit here and twiddle our thumbs and complain and cry and whine about all that life has done. And, well, you don't know the hand that life has dealt me. Well, I understand. But there's got to be something that burns inside of you that says, I can't just sit here and die. I can't sit here and watch my family fall apart. I can't sit here and just accept defeat. 
if somebody's going to get blessed tonight, it might as well be me. It might as well be my family tonight. If I have to take three of them and just the four of us go somewhere and get blessed, we're going to get blessed tonight. They were sitting there contemplating on whether they were going to die or whether they were going to die or whether they were going to die or whether they were going to get blessed. And so they get there and they, in the back of their minds there was that question again. Why not us? I know we're nobodies. I'm very well aware that I am a reject and I have been cast out of the city because I'm a leper. I know that nobody wants to be around me. I stink. I look funny. But you know what? Why not us? Why not us? I know I'm a dying man. And if I get up and see what's out there, well, there's a chance I will die. But I can't just sit here because all I have on my mind is why not me? If someone is going to survive, why not me? If someone's going to get to eat tonight, why not me? If someone is going to get to go and enjoy the spoils of someone else's hard work and labor, hey, why not me? If that's what God has for me, he's got a tent after another tent after another tent of all I can eat. I can take home to-go boxes and pack it up. I've got gold and silver, everything I possibly need. Why not? If someone is going to make it, why not me? Joshua 10 says, On the day that the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. Is this event not recorded in the book of Jashar? The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set as on a normal day. There has never been a day like this one before or since. When the Lord answered such a prayer. I love that. There has never been a day like this one before or since. When the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. Joshua knew that if the sun went down. They would lose this battle. He was very well aware of what was going on. And the adversary that he was facing. And he saw that there were some things working in his favor as long as the sun was out. But as it began to grow dark, he began to watch his men begin to fall and begin to get injured and wounded. And he said, if the sun goes down, we're going to lose this thing. So he says, you know what? I have no other options. My plans at this point are out the window. There's no time to strategize. I have no timeouts left. They were up against a wall and I had nothing to lean on but this one crazy prayer. Why not us? Someone today is leaving with victory. Why not us? As it stands right now, we're going to lose. But let the sun stand still and let the moon stand still over the valley. And the Bible says that to this day there has never been a prayer answered like this one. You want to know why? Because if you've taken science, you know it's not the sun that revolves around the earth. 
But it's the earth that revolves around the sun. He should have prayed, earth, stop. But he didn't. He said, son, I need you to, I, I need you to stay right there. And moon, I know where you're at. I need you to stay right there. You can't come peeking up around that corner or we're going to lose this thing. But God said, Joshua, you don't know much about science, but you have a little bit of faith. So I'm going to do what you're asking of me. Why not? Somebody's got to do it. Why not us? I know what you're asking for again, Joshua, is very difficult to do. You're asking a whole day to just get all messed up. You're going to mess up the calendar. You're going to mess up all kinds of things because we're letting this day go on a little bit longer. But Joshua, you've got faith and you're hungry and I see you that prayer you're praying is crazy. You're praying for something that don't even make sense. You're asking for somebody to take cancer away. I know it seems impossible, but why not us? If it's going to happen, why can't it happen today? I know we're losing this battle, but why not us, God? Why can't you stop the sun? Why can't you stop the moon? Why not? Mark 5, there was a woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. Over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed and immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that, her, that healing power had gone from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? Who touched me? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? All of these have touched you, but yet you ask who touched you? But he kept on looking around to see who had done this. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell on her knees in front of him and told what she had done. And he said to her daughter, your faith hath made you whole. This woman had tried everything else. She did not know where to go or who to turn to. She went to doctor after doctor, friend after friend, just saying, I, I, I'm out of options. I, I, I know what I'm seeking for is crazy. I, I've had this thing for 12 years. You don't understand. I've been facing this issue for 12 years. I, I, I've prayed about it. I, I've sought answers. I've went to all the people that I know. I've went to the best of the best. And now I'm broke and now I'm out of options. But I love what verse 27 says in the NLT. It said, she had heard about Jesus. She had heard about Jesus. You know what that means? That means some people had been talking. That means that the rumor was getting around that something was going on. What, what would happen if, if people outside of these walls here begin to talk and say, Hey, I've heard about Jesus. I've heard that he hangs out at that place called Greater Life on 528. I know that I'm facing some things and I don't really have an answer. I went to every doctor in town and they don't have an answer for me. 
but, but my friend, my friend has told me, my friend Brother Jay has told me about this man named Jesus. And rumors get going around and things start to get talked about. And they say, hey, you know what? I, I don't know where to go, but I've heard about Jesus. I've heard what he can do. I've heard that he opens blinded eyes. I've heard that he saves people from drug addictions. I've heard that he gives people legs that have never been able to walk before. I've heard that he opens the ears of the deaf. I, I, I've heard all about it. So why not me? Somebody had been talking. Rumors were getting out about this man. And she knew what the doctors had said. She knew they probably would never give her any sign of hope. She was very well aware of her sickness. She dealt with it for years. She didn't need another get well soon card. She didn't need another trip to the doctor. She didn't need the same old story on a different day. But on this day she said, If I can but touch the hem of his garment. Sure, someone else can touch him and be healed, but if I can but touch the hem of his garment. I know that other people are here to see Jesus. I know that there are other people here with pressing needs and things that they need from God. But if I can but touch the hem of his garment. I know there are other families facing some things, but if my family could touch Jesus... I know there are people who are dealing with job situations, but if, if I could get my job situation worked out, if God for some, some reason would meet me here in this place, and if I could but touch the hem of His garment, if I can but touch the hem of His garment, sure someone else can, but if I can, but why not me? Why not me? I've, I've heard about Him. I've heard that he heals. I've heard that he saves. If he's going to heal somebody, why not me? That determination is what pushed her through the crowd that day. You can't tell me that it was anything else that pushed her through that crowd that day. Because the Bible says that she had been sick for 12 years. Constantly bleeding. I don't know about you, but any time I've given blood or any time I've lost a lot of blood... I feel weak. I sure don't feel like pressing through a crowd. If I've been sick in my body and suffering, the Bible says in two times she was suffering. If I'm suffering, I sure don't feel like getting out in a crowd on Black Friday to get a better deal than somebody else. But there was something in her that was driving her and pushing her beyond her pain. She said, I know I'm suffering. I know I'm hurting. But this is pushing me beyond my pain. What I'm desiring is pushing me beyond the suffering that I'm feeling right now. Why not me? If he's going to be walking around healing somebody today, causing a big old parade, then my God, I want to be there and I want to be touched by him. If I have to reach out, if I just can touch his garment, if he's going to be there and I'm in reaching point of him, I'm going to reach out and try to touch him. But we come into the house of God and he walks up and down the aisles and we think, oh, when is he going to just come lay it on me? When is it just going to fall on me like a ton of bricks? But he's wanting a desperation to burn with inside of you to see the hunger and the passion that's in your heart. That's full of zeal, full of desire and passion saying, why not me? 
Why not me? Like Jacob wrestling with the angel. What he did was crazy. If an angel came tonight and woke you up out of bed, I know you wouldn't be wrestling with him all night long saying, I won't let you go until you bless me. Some of you'd probably be, let go, let go. But there was a passion there. I will not let thee go until thee bless me. That's why he fought all night long because he wouldn't let go. I can't let you go. If somebody's going to get blessed, it's going to be me tonight. If somebody's going to get healed, it's going to be me tonight. I know, I know what the circumstances say, but I know what his word says. His word says that I can be healed. His word says I can be freed. Why not me? She was sick. She was suffering, but she still pressed on through the crowd. She said, why not me? But you see, the touch healed her, but her faith made her whole. It wasn't the act that made her whole. It was the mindset of why not me. That's what made her whole. When she touched him, she received her healing. But he turned and he said, thy faith hath made thee whole. You believing that it could happen to you is what made you whole. You coming to an altar and saying, why not me, God? If somebody's going to be healed, why not me? That's when God will heal you. That's when God will restore you and make you whole. You say, well, I'll tell you why not me. I'm broken. I'm busted. I'm beaten. I'm bound. Well, I've got good news for you. Jesus didn't reach for the healed. He reached for the hurting. He didn't reach for the perfect. He reached for the broken. He didn't reach for the sane. He reached for the crazy. So if you've got a problem, then there's a great chance you're the one he's reaching for tonight. If, if there's things going on in your life that just seem crazy and the prayers that you've been praying are just crazy, well, keep your head up because God is reaching for you. He's trying to place a desire in your heart to where you say, even so come Lord Jesus. That's where we've got to get in our world. We see this mess of a world we live in. It's got to get to the place where we say, God, I need you. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. I know you feel like you're losing. I know you're down late. I know we're closing a year that may have not been one you would like to remember. But at the closing of this year, why not change the story before it's too late? This is our last service for this year. Why not us? You don't have to wait to 2014 to start off before you finally make that decision. Hey, if somebody's going to get it, why not me? If somebody's going to receive it, why not me? If somebody's going to just blow up and have revival, why not me? Why not? The Bible said we are to have childlike faith. Have you ever tried to tell a kid they can't do something? What's their response? Why not? 
ว่าว่าว่า a chorus of wines One particular kid about drove me crazy one year with why, why, why everything was why. You'd give him an answer for that, and that was why, 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 why not? They don't understand the concept of no, and they want a reason. Can I fly? No. Why not? Can I touch the fire? No. Why not? We know that gravity is going to pull them down, and the fire is going to burn. But there is something in them that causes them to believe that they can fly, and that they are indestructible. Can we all stand in this place tonight? There was a young girl at a Christmas musical, and she was the angel. And they said, "Now listen, we we know we you're all prettied up. You've got your angel wings, and you're all ready to go." But when this song comes on, we need you to walk down the aisle and and be an angel. And in all simplicity, she looked back and said, "Do I need to walk, or would you rather me fly? Why not? Why not? If they want the Holy Ghost, why not? If they want to teach a Bible study, why not?" If young people want to have revival at their school, why not? Dad, you want to win your coworker, why not? Mom, you want to see your baby saved, why not? You say, well, what if I try and fail? I say, why not try? He said to forget not all his benefits. He said we have an inheritance. He said we could have life and have it more abundantly. He said we could be saved. He said we could be delivered, so why not? So why not, David? We've measured up this guy. We've scouted out, and we know how great your adversary is. This is what we know about him. He is a champion. His name is Goliath, a fearful name. Just his name caused them to shudder in fear. He is nearly ten feet tall. His helmet weighs around 126 pounds. He has bronze shin guards and a bronze sword. His spear was like a fence rail. The tip of the spear weighed about 15 pounds. And he is asking for our best. Well, have you seen David? Have you seen this young shepherd boy who is stepping out, saying he's going to face this guy? Surely he is not the best. Surely he is not the candidate we're looking for. But you see, big giants have big problems because that day Goliath cried out, "I defy the armies of Israel this day." He boo boo there, because Israel means God prevails. So what he was saying was, I am defying the armies of the prevailing God. Goliath, you you made a mistake right there. 
You've been challenging the people of God for 40 days now. But when you make a comment like that, you better be ready to back it up. Because you're fighting against a prevailing God. A God who is going to bring you out victorious. A God who is not going to leave his people stranded. I know he's 10 feet tall. I know he's decked out in weapons and warfare. I know what the adversary and the obstacle is doing. But it is defying God. It is defying the people of God and the things of God. And that's all it took for something to stir up inside of God and send a little lad on to send some lunch. But it caused fear in the children of Israel. For 40 days they heard this nasty man talking, taunting them. There was no one willing to fight for the prevailing God. But this day, David heard his challenge. That's all it took was for a little shepherd boy to just hear that man taunting. To hear him looking for a challenger saying, Who's going to fight me? Send me a man. Send me your best. Send me whatever you've got. I'm not scared of you. But this day David heard that challenge. Send me a man. Someone can leave here a victor. Today someone can leave here with a belt. Today someone can leave here the new champion. The troops began talking, saying, Have you ever seen anything like this? This man openly and defiantly challenging Israel, challenging the prevailing God. The man who kills this giant will have it made. The king will give him a huge reward, offer his daughter as a bride, and give his entire family a free ride. And young David's mind started churning. And he asked, what, what's in it for the winner? So they tell young David what the prize was. And young David is thinking, filled with excitement. And his brother begins to get mad at him. Oh, hush up, David. I know what you're here for. You're just a young kid. You're a young guy up here looking for a fight, looking for some blood. But David's sitting back there smiling. And he makes the comment, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason for one of us to go out here and fight this guy? We were promised victory. We were promised blessing. Surely God's not going to let this guy defeat us and us be their slaves. Is there not a reason to fight? We have the chance of a lifetime we can walk away in defeat or we can face this giant and leave victorious why not us why not me why not my family why can't I David this young shepherd boy be the one to take out that taunting giant that one who is defying my God who is a prevailing God. That one who helped me defeat the lion. That one who helped me out of the paw of that bear. Is the same God who's going to help me out of the paw of that Philistine. Because he was a dog. So they tell Saul and he agrees. But you see Saul says, 
Hold on, young David. If you're going to beat him, you're going to have to join him. Boy, isn't that what our world says? If you're going to win your world, you're going to have to become the world and dress like the world and act like the world and talk like the world. If you're going to compete with the world, you've got to do church like the world. He said, he has a helmet. Here, we need to get you a helmet, David. He has armor. we got to get you some armor, David. He's got a sword. We've got to get you a sword, David. But young David said, I, I don't need all of this. I don't need all of this to win because there's this thing. It's called a cause. When I have a cause, when I have a reason to fight, I don't need this helmet. I don't need all of this armor and this sword because I'm coming in the name of the Lord. I'm not coming with all of this other stuff you're saying I need. I'm coming in the name of the Lord. Well, well no, you, you got to have a big church if you're going to do this. You, you got to have all the young people and all the kids. You got to have it all worked out if you're going to. No, 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 no. I don't need all of that because I have the name of the Lord. There's a cause. There's a reason I'm doing this. I'm fighting for the prevailing God. Why not me? Greater Life Church, why not us? If someone's going to have revival, why not us? If someone's going to get healed, why not us? If a church is going to grow, why not our church? If someone's family is going to be blessed this year, why not your family? I know it may seem like a lot to ask, but you're not being selfish. You're just hungry. You're desperate. God, why not us? Would you cry out to God right now? God, right now I've got some crazy things to ask for. I know there's a taunting giant in my face. I know I'm a leper, God, and I'm a reject. God, but if somebody's going to get healed, God, I need to be healed tonight. God, if somebody's going to be set free, God, I've been bound for so long. God, I want to be set free tonight. God, you see this thing that's in my ear that's been bothering me. God, I don't understand why. God, but if I'm going to do something, God, God, if you're going to move in this place and heal somebody, God, would you come down and heal me? God, my family, Lord, you see the wall that we're up against, the adversary. God, I don't know where else to turn. We're suffering. We don't feel like pressing through a crowd. God, but I know you're walking in this place tonight. God, and why not us? God, if somebody, if somebody's going to get it, Lord, I want it. Oh, God, you've got a promise here tonight. Lord, if somebody's going to receive it, why not us?